Good morning, and thank you for joining us today. My name is Jason Economou. I am the Government Affairs Director for the Realtors Association of Maui. And today I am joined by Judge Richard Bisson, mayoral candidate uh, for Maui County. Judge Bisson, Bisson, thank you for joining us. Aloha, Jason, and aloha to your viewers and listeners. Let's just start off by hearing from you why you're running for mayor and a little bit about your campaign. All right. So, uh, you know, I spent 35 years in community service and protecting or service to our community and protecting and uh, this community here that I live in and grew up in. I, uh, I also come from a working class family. Uh, the reason I'm running, though, are three specific reasons. Uh, their names are Lalakea, Naluahi, and Kilinahe. Those are the names of my three grandsons. Um, I had not thought about this uh, until getting ready to retire, which I retired from the bench as a circuit court judge after about 17 years. That was the last of the jobs that I've held. Um, and I thought about my grandsons and how difficult it is. This is a very topical discussion for us to have today because it, it has everything to do with housing and everything to do with um, the ability of local people to remain here. Uh, you know, growing up on Maui, it never, ever, ever occurred to me that I would not be able to live here and stay here and remain here. It just was never a thought in my mind or even my generation. Uh, as I see my children who are adult, I have three adult daughters, and now I have three very young grandsons. I worry for the first time, I wonder, can they stay here in our homeland? And, and, I'm, and I'm afraid for that, and I'm going to do everything in my power uh, to prevent that from happening, them having to leave because they cannot afford and sustain life here on the island. Um, yeah, I think that's a thought that we should all think about uh, for uh, not just currently, but we should be thinking two generations ahead. What will this place look like? How will it be? Who will it be made up of? And um, And that's my very, very laser focused reason for running. Now, Judge, um, you know, as you might know, the Realtors Association of Maui is the largest trade association in Maui County. We represent roughly 2,000 realtor members and 100 affiliate companies. And so by extension, we are concerned about, you know, their families, their employees, and everybody that they work with. Um, you know, this is a big community. Why should the RAM community vote for you? Well, I think the RAM community should vote for me because I recognize that realtors are an essential part of the process of home acquisition and ownership and therefore leads to Kama'aina prosperity, which happens to be our platform. Um, you know, the ethics that realtors operate under is very similar to attorneys. Um, as licensed professionals, we're, we're both uh, are required to represent our clients with uh, with intelligence, with integrity, and with a duty to do what is right uh, and what is fair uh, in the best interest of our clients. And I intend to run the county of Maui in those same, with those same ethical standards, as well as including uh, being inclusive and collaborative. I think uh, what it's going to require to be mayor is leadership and judgment with a genuine love for our community. Judge Bisson, um, you know, the major issue this election, but it seems like it has been for the past few elections, is housing. Uh, we are in a housing crisis. We have a deficit of housing pretty much across price points, 
especially for workforce and lower income households. Uh, what do you view as perhaps the cause of this housing crisis and what policies would you support as mayor in order to get us out of this housing crisis? Okay, and I'm not here to point fingers at, at anything that's happened in the past. We need to focus on the now and, and again, going forward. Uh, you know, when we talk about housing crisis, Jason, it's really, are we talking about inventory or are we talking about prices? Because the crisis is in both of those areas. Um, you know, if you ask me, I think we have failed, <clears throat> excuse me, to keep up with our local population's growth, number one. Uh, I think when we talk about building homes, we have to ask ourselves, who are we selling those homes to? You know, I don't think it matters if we build 500, let's call them affordable housing. We don't use that term in my campaign. We use the term Kama'aina housing because if you look at the catchphrases today, workforce housing, attainable housing, people are kind of shying away from the term affordable because they know it's not true anymore. That, 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 that word doesn't mean what it, what it should mean. Um, so we use the term Kama'aina housing because we want to focus on residents. Housing for residents. Um, and as I was starting to say, if you build 500 new homes and you sell 450 to anybody who can buy it from anywhere in the world, what have you really done to your housing? The, the disconnect we have is we shouldn't be counting how many homes we build or even how many homes we sell. We should be keeping track of how many people who are local residents are getting into those homes. Because for me, that's the focus of my, of my campaign and of, of my policies. Um, I don't know that I would agree we have a shortage of luxury homes. I don't think there's anybody clamoring that, oh, we don't have enough of those. So I think what we need to talk about in terms of policies is why does our permitting process work the way it does or does it work? You know, what is it? What is it about that? Um, why does it take so long? Um, when there's no EIS involved, for example. Um, so the policy under the Bissett administration would be one of an all hands on deck approach. What I would require is that all uh, directors that are involved in the permitting process sit at the same table at the same time with the builder um, to, this, to, the, to share any comments or concerns they have about the project. Now that may take more than one meeting. I certainly understand that. But the key to this would be coordinated and comprehensive approaches. Now, this is something we've done in the, in the Maui Drug Court program, something I've done in the mental health program. So this is not a new approach. This is something that is done in other, other entities and organizations where you take what's out there and you, and you, and you make sure you're, you're being, again, the coordinated approach, the comprehensive approach, not the piecemeal approach, because that doesn't work. Um, so that would be part of my process. If approved, if if this project is approved, I would require that my chief of staff report to me weekly on an aging, uh, on an aging process of what, what's occurring in these, what I'm calling Kama'aina housing projects. How, how is the project moving along? I think we need to pinpoint exactly where are uh, the bottlenecks? Where are they occurring? Instead of just guessing, well, this is taking too long, or it's this thing, let's just find out exactly what it is. And again, before pointing the finger at anyone, I think ultimately what we're missing and what we need as short as we are on housing, I think we're more short on leadership. And that's what I'm running on. What we need is leadership. We need political will. We need to put our Kama Aina first, uh, again, to look out for their prosperity, for their well-being, and again, have projects, um, you know, which projects are being approved? 
why are they being approved? Why are others not being approved? I just think it takes somebody to take a hard look. Um, and again, what is our real goal? If our goal is just to build homes and sell homes, I don't know that I'm on that same page. I, I want those homes to go to the people that have, have built up their equity in living in this community and, and want to remain here. And that's my primary focus. I think that's a good distinction, you know, what the goal is. Um, you Can know, I add one more thing? One yeah, more please do. That I, I'm sorry, I forgot. I would, I would also say this. If we are backlogged, if we have more projects than we have personnel, and again, this isn't a time to pick on anybody or any group, uh, what I would do is, uh, and what they do in other places, I would outsource the review process to allow other engineering uh, licensed professionals uh, to be able to review if, if, the, if the project meets community standards, county standards, industry standards, then it can be approved. It shouldn't be, oh, we didn't get to it because you know, we're looking at all these others. If, we, if, you, if you got a backlog of 30 or 50 cases, you're not going to get to this Kamaaina housing project. I'm pulling that out and I'm giving it to somebody in the community who can look at it and say, stamp, this project is, is, uh, is a valid project. Um, we, shouldn't let case, we shouldn't let things uh, sort of die on the vine because we haven't gotten to them. And that's part of what drives home prices up and part of what makes it out of reach for people. And again, uh, I don't use the term affordable housing because I don't think that's the correct term. There's two prices on Maui expensive and out of reach those are the two prices you can choose from and and you know this way better than i do you know i've heard you speak jason and you, you you're very very you know uh in tune with what's happening in, in in our markets but i think that's a true statement that i that i just made so i think we should call it what it is resident housing we need to build resident housing that's what we need to focus on i i think you're right um and, and you hit on that luxury market thing. In other interviews, I pointed that out too. Maybe that's an area where we, we have enough inventory. So, so um, I'm, I'm glad. Uh, and I, I appreciate you coming out to, to that, that lunch meeting that we had. Right. Um, now, now, in addition to housing, one of the major issues that's been also an issue for a while now, but, but recently it's really come to the front, uh, is economic diversification. You know, COVID-19 indicated to a lot of folks in Maui County that maybe we're a bit too reliant on tourism as our one main economic driver. And there have been a lot of calls for economic diversification. Now, this is one of those things that we understand you can't legislate economic diversification, um, but you can push policies that support it um, and, and really, um, you know, drive it forward. So as mayor, if elected, what policies would you support um, in order to, to push economic diversification in Maui County? And what industries um, do you envision the diversification coming up through? Excellent question and very fair question. You know, I think economic diversity begins <clears throat> when government creates an atmosphere conducive to uh, new areas, uh, whether it's you know, employment, careers, jobs. Uh, and this is what a business administration would look like. Um, before we decide to be less reliant, however, on tourism, uh, we need to enhance other areas of our economy uh, before we just drop, you know, what, what's working for us now, or not, I shouldn't say working for us, but what is bringing in a lot of uh, um, money to our county. Now, uh, some of the areas I would want to touch on would be technology, um, and, in, and in particular, artificial intelligence, uh, which is already in place uh, through programs at our Maui College. We could enhance both the hardware and the software right here on Maui. 
through maybe a pilot project, a transportation model that would start out in South Mali. I've, I've discussed this in previous um, interviews. Uh, we have the know-how, the technology. Um, we just need to create, again, that, that sort of that space where we uh, on Maui could be a leader in this area to relieve traffic and, uh, again, start an industry. Um, wastewater treatment was just in the paper. Uh, I want to say yesterday, wastewater uh, treatment um, uh, programs. Uh, you know, I, I was already thinking about that, having spoke. Again, that's another issue I discussed in previous interviews uh, with others. Um, and I think that's an industry that we could, well, we should do it for ourselves because we need to get rid of the injection wells um, anyway. So we need to solve our own issues, but we could become uh, some an industry that we could, I think, perhaps uh, create more jobs and, and, and careers in that way. The ag tech area, you know, I hear a lot of people talk about this. We need to do more than food security. We need to have food sovereignty um, here on Maui. And that's something that, um, you know, again, we could focus on as an industry. Um, and, and I think that's a very big. And whenever I talk about uh, ag tech, I always bring up the issue of access deer. I've been talking about this since the first day I ran because so many people bring this up to me. You know, that that particular product, I guess I'll call it, is is ready. It's ripe. It's overwhelmed. We have over 70,000 head in the herd. And, you know, manageable is about 20,000. Um, we probably don't have enough hunters to, to get the job done. We need mobile slaughterhouses, uh, but they cause damage to farmers who uh, the crops they'll eat. They cause damage to ranchers whose grazing lands they'll eat. They cause hazards to motorists. I think there were over 170 collisions on Maui last year. Um, those are the ones reported. Um, but it's an industry where instead of eradicating, we could do processing. We could have butchers. We could have marketing. We could provide it to restaurants, online, uh, to, to people who would love to buy venison from Maui. Uh, we could make it available to those that are struggling for food here on Maui. We could turn it into dog food for hunters. The Maui Humane Society could benefit uh, from getting, you know, free, you know, high-protein deer meat. Um, there's so many things. It, you know, rather than going out and planting something in the ground and caring for it and watching it, this product is out there already and it's available and it's a nuisance and it's a problem. And the biggest thing I want to say about this in terms of our environment is that it threatens our watershed. If those get into the watershed, that, that I mean, everything else we're talking about will be secondary. Um, and so I really, really think, and I thank all the folks that are already working on things, you know, um, folks that are legislators on the state and county level that have teams and task forces, but the issue has been more one of eradication and control. And I'm, I'm talking about creating an industry. I'm talking about making it jobs, having jobs, having the Department of Health give us permanent personnel here to, who, can, who can help process these, you know, purchase mobile slaughterhouses. These are one of those animals. You got to take the slaughterhouse to them. It's difficult to take them uh, to market. So, I mean, there are a lot of things about that. And then finally, I want to talk about health and wellness as another industry. We should be promoting more cultural healing practices. Laao, lapaao, medicine. Lomi, lomi. Ho'oponopono. Uh, those are areas that are unique to Hawaii, unique to us. Uh, we should be promoting those areas as, as part of our economic diversity. And then, of course, I've said this a lot of times. Um, you know, we have a shortage of healthcare workers. So nursing, uh, maybe physician assistance programs are things that we could try to uh, partner with the, the JABSOM uh, the John A. Burns School of Medicine um, program there. So again, 
I think the policies we need to do here is where government creates and fosters that atmosphere, which um, all of our small businesses can, they can flourish, they can prosper. Um, some of the policies you asked me about, those are some examples, but the policies I think I would want to implement would be uh, to favor small business development, to further, uh, I guess, small, uh, what do we call business resource centers in our communities. Now, what we would do is help small businesses go and get their DCCA registration, maybe get their federal EIN numbers, things that they would need to have their businesses begin. Um, you know, we just need to be a business welcoming and business friendly community if we're going to try to relieve our reliance on on tourism. Again, I think what we know, small businesses hire local people, they pay their fair share of taxes. And then the one last policy I would want to promote, and, and I hope this isn't controversial, I hope this would be something people would agree with, is any agency, any entity receiving grants from the county of Maui should be required to have a mentorship or an internship program. Um, if we're going to want employees and we want them to come local grown and we got to grow them from our community, then we got to give them some. I'm the product of a mentor program. I was an intern at the Maui prosecutor's office in the year 1984 as a first year law student. I got to work for free. It was a volunteer position, uh, but I got to see a lot about how the prosecutor's office worked. It only solidified my decision to go into that area. And then I was a prosecutor for 15 years. Uh, in eight of those years, I was the county prosecutor. But had I not gone to the internship program, I'm not sure I would have known. I also developed a relationship with that office. So when I applied three years later, they were already familiar with me. I was familiar with some of them. So what I feel like, if we have businesses out there that are complaining, oh, I don't have enough employees uh, applying, I don't have people. Well, what are you doing as an agency or as a business or as a, as a field? What are you doing to help grow that? Well, I think, again, you can't force private business to do stuff, but people taking grant money from us, I don't see why we could not, and say, just have one. And you don't have to pay them, of course. The experience is what you're getting. But what the key to this is you're developing a relationship with a young person. Because I'm going to tell you what, every college, and you know this, every college and every community, the, the businesses in that community are already um, recruiting those college graduates in their junior and senior year. And they're offering them internships. So when they graduate, they're like, well, I've already interned here. My males will stay here and work. And, a lot, of, and a, lot, a lot of local kids do that. But if we do that and we, we get them from high school, we start saying, hey, what area are you interested in? Come work for us. Come, come be an intern. Summer, summertime, come home, work for us. Um, you know, Christmas break, come home, work for us. And then when you're all done, we have a higher chance, <clears throat> excuse me, of, of bringing our young people back home to work in those areas and, and you know uh, we're not competing against some of the mainland draws the pay the cost of living that they have so we got to do things like this like i said thinking two generations down the line jason how is it going to look for us we should put these policies in place now and i'm a real big proponent of mentorship and internship whether you pay them or you don't pay them and i don't even care what the industry is you know teaching kids about management teaching them about you know the back of the house the front of the house you know, making them part of the community so they want to come back, they want to work and live here. I mean, we'll attack the housing thing the way we talked about, but getting the jobs, you know, that's one of the main reasons we can't get healthcare people here is they, they get the jobs, but they're no more homes. They cannot afford the houses. So we need to we need to attack all of this. You can't have homes without jobs, can't have jobs without homes. We got to do it together.
You, you mentioned that that last policy idea might be controversial. I really hope it's not. Um, I love that idea of the mentorship program. And, you know, I, I can tell you, when I was in law school, we had a, a pro bono requirement. We, we had to yes. put in a certain amount of times uh, of free work because, you know, there is um, experience is the best teacher. And, and with every profession, it's like a small community in itself. And in order to get into the profession, it really helps to have those those connections that you build right at the bottom, where people got to see your face when you were younger. They got to see that that you're there because you want to be. You're working hard. So I, I really well, hope you're laying the groundwork. You're laying the groundwork, yeah. and the benefit is you also find out if you don't like it, which is yes. also a benefit. You don't spend your whole career kind of stuck somewhere. You realize through that internship that well, you know, it's not really what I thought it was. So I'm going to try something else. But it's a win-win for the business. It's a win-win for the student or the, or the person who's up and coming. You said it right. You know, life's all about relationships, Jason. And the sooner you start them and you cultivate them, it's like everything else we've been talking about. You know, growing our yeah. food, growing our people, uh, growing our workforce. It's not going to happen by itself. We can't just sit down and hope and cross our fingers and wish that, you know, that there'll be a job opening or that there'll be, and of course, right now there's so many job openings, you know, employers can't, can't get enough employees. So, you know, the market's a little strange and um, you know, there's a lot of things that, that or the reasons for that. But I, again, I think for us, we show young people, we're interested in having them come home. We're showing, uh, like I said, you're having a chance to influence somebody in the way you want them to sort of work for your company later. Um, I, I don't see how it can go wrong. And the reason I thought it might be controversial is when you give somebody a grant, I don't know if you can require, you can tie mm. a string to it. I just don't know. Um, but I sure as, you know, heck would want to, would want to try that. I don't blame you. Um, now, now, if you're elected mayor, one of the major functions of your office will be the budget. Maui County's budget is, is growing um, with, with a lot of the charter proposals that are on the ballot for this year, it is likely to potentially grow even more next year. And it takes a lot of time to, to get through the process. If elected, how would your priorities and process differ from previous administrations or from what your understanding is of the status quo? You know, I know it's the responsibility of the mayor to propose the budget and it's the responsibility of the of the council to approve that budget and obviously to make changes, uh, especially when it comes to setting the tax rates, um, you know, the property assessments that come out, they, they, they based on that. You know, I, this is uh, an area that would, will require some deep diving into our uh, budget. And, and, and I admit, I have not completed that process just yet, but I am, you know, looking into that because the budget, really determines the policies of the county. You know, as, uh, as adults, we know what's important to people by where they spend their time. In government, we know what's important to you by where you spend your money. Uh, where are you putting money? For example, the, affor the affordable housing um, project that we have, we put 3% of our budget there and can go as high as 4% uh, recently. Is that, is that enough money to put in there? I mean, if this is a crisis, is 3% of our entire budget enough? If we're saying that's our most important thing that we need to get to, um, you know, we say that on one hand, but then where do we put the funds at? So, you know, I, I'd want to really, and again, I'm not criticizing anybody. I'm sure there's things about this uh, in the back of the house that you got to sort of find out before you can, you know, make some changes. But that, that one jumps out at me first. 
Um, you know, this is an interesting budget to go from 800 million to 1.2 billion in one cycle in four years. Um, you know, I'm not sure how any private businesses would sustain themselves and something like that. But what, what I'm afraid of is what this is going to do for tomorrow and for the next tomorrows, because, you know, I don't think we should be, or I think we should be very cautious about um, sort of funding our, you know, sort of sticking a bill to our, to our youth, uh, those up and coming and having to be responsible for paying for our decisions that we're making today. And that's probably the caution I would put into this entire thing. Um, whether we can or cannot pay for it today, you know, with a bunch of federal money that was infused into our county and having some, you know, some just exorbitant home prices that, that of course, triggers our property taxes, which is where most of our county funds comes through our property taxes and hotel and, and, and rental property taxes. I'm just not sure we can sustain that. Uh, and, you know, the county is growing. We have more departments uh, coming online. Um, not, they're not that they're not important, but I'm just not sure we can afford all of this. And so, you know, I, I think I'd want to be very fiscally responsible with other people's money. The yeah, the and the subtext there's other people's money is is our money. It's the voters' money. It's the residents' That's money. Right. So so yeah, I appreciate fiscal responsibility um, from from our leaders, and and I appreciate that that you you admit that you need to do some homework um, when sure. it comes to the budget. That's um, that a lot of candidates just come in and and they they act like they have all the answers already. Um, and so it's refreshing to hear somebody who who understands where there's an area where they need to do some more study. So so I view that as a strength um, personally, and I just want to say thanks for that. Um, now, now, just to, to wrap up, you've been generous with your time. Um, we want to ask you if you get to know you questions real, real quick stuff. So so you don't have to, to go too deep into it. Um, real easy one. Uh, where'd you go to high school? St. Anthony Junior Senior High School in Wailuku. Excellent. Um, what is a book that you love? Oh, gosh. Uh, the most recent book I just reviewed was called The Halemua Men's. Um, it was a project written by a friend of mine, Kavika Tengan, and I just happened to be reviewing it for, for a reason. Um, so I'll say that's the most recent book I've read. What kind of music do you listen to? Mostly Hawaiian music. And um, what is a movie that you can't turn off if you see it on? Probably, I would say, almost anything with Bruce Willis in it. Um, so perhaps the Die Hard series, um, even though I've seen most of them already. Yeah, we just watched The Fifth Element for like the hundredth time uh, the other <laughs> night. So, so I, I feel you on that one. Um, all right, Judge Bisson, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for um, your your long history of public service and for, for stepping up to, to run for mayor of Maui County. Um, I want to give you just 30 seconds at the end to, to say what you want to say and, and sign off. You know, I think what our people are looking for and what they deserve is balanced uh, government, balanced leadership. I think people are tired of the bickering. I think people are tired of the sort of hardcore politics that that edge that comes with that, and not having a political background, not being registered with any political party, despite what people online try to 
make up. I've never registered for the Republican Party, the Democratic Party, no party. I never had to, don't intend to. This is a nonpartisan position. I believe in good people. You put good people in good positions, you get good outcomes. Uh, and that's what I'm looking to do. Again, be bold in leadership with some of the ideas I have, but be balanced. Listen to all sides, which is my training to do that and exercise good judgment. In most cases, judgment is more important than experience. Uh, of course, you get a lot of your judgment from that experience, and that's what I tend to bring with. Pledge to lead with integrity, with intelligence, and with inclusivity. And I'm very, very grateful uh, for this opportunity, Jason. Thank you. Oh, and real quick, where can people go? Your, your website, um, YouTube, what should people look for to, to find out more about you? Thank you. I will be scolded by my chair for not having said this. Uh, it's the bissonmovement.com or just not the, it's bissonmovement.com. Uh, we'll get you all the answers, get you all our videos that we put out, YouTube, uh, Bisson Listens programs, and, and find out what we're doing next. Great. Thank you so much, Judge Bisson. I appreciate you. Thank you, Jason. Aloha. Aloha.